Welcome in. It's Monday night. We are podcasting again. Last night we had the bracket reaction show. If you missed it, go back, check the stream, check the podcast feed. Uh, if you want to listen to it and don't want to watch the two of us discuss our opening reactions to the podcast to the bracket reveal, it was a good the, time. It was a good time. With that being said, we're back. We have two pods this week before the NCAA tournament gets started, and then we should have some reaction shows throughout the weekend and throughout the tournament. But as we mentioned yesterday, this uh, podcast is going to be and is the first part of two parts. We're going to do 34 of 68 questions, not necessarily a question for every team. We're not going to talk about Norfolk State and or maybe maybe we will talk I about mean, Norfolk we State. We've got 68 questions. We have 68 questions. There are 68 teams. I will assure you it won't be about all 68 <laughs> teams, though. With that being said, we have a, a question for that represents all 68 teams of course you understand it the part tonight is part one we're doing 34 questions so are you ready to go or do you want to you want to give a couple opening thoughts because a lot went down today we had yeah there were firings I think we need to touch Richard Patino out at Minnesota our boy Marty Miller out at Indiana he's marching to the unemployment line someone made the philanthropic donation of 10 million dollars to get him out of Bloomington one donor I, I he may own the Mavericks and IU alone. No, he said that he said. No, that, he said he said he would. <laughs> he can't say it publicly though. Mark, Mark said. Uh, Mark Cuban, he, we're he, talking he, about. He cares about the he cares about the Indiana Hoosiers. He doesn't care ten million dollars worth about the Indiana Hoosiers. So it was someone else. But with that being said, um, where sh- where should maybe we'll get into it because I have a little bit on. Is one care. of your questions who bought out? Marching Millie. <laughs> no, that's not one of my questions, but maybe it will be for part two. I, I do have a question pertaining to this. Sure. So, to fast forward a little bit here, I, I wanted to ask which coach, if we're just going to dive right into this and not talk about the... Don't spoil a question yet. Okay, okay. Let's talk about the parameters then of this, not only just Marchie, but also... Patino being let go today as well at Minnesota after not winning uh, a road game in the conference for the second time in, I think, his eight years um, in the Minneapolis area. That's only the second time it's happened in the last 50 years in Minnesota. He was responsible for both. I mean, it was certainly a, I mean, and if you want to talk about it, Maryland ruined the the magic of the barn and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> um, not the uh, not the season that we expected from Minnesota, given how the season started and how well they played against Ohio State, against Michigan, against Iowa. They couldn't play well on the road at all. It looked like they folded and they they were their their home road splits were incredible. So Richard Patino, not necessarily um, he. I will say it seems or it appears that he knew he was on the way out. I think that some people have reported that he has already gotten an interview with New Mexico and that New Mexico is down to choosing between Richard Patino and former Nebraska coach Tim Miles. So that's something to look out for. Could be announced in the next couple of days. But I think that the Indiana move, whether they get Brad Stevens, the golden goose that people think that they want or, or not, and by the way, I don't think Boston should fire him, and I don't think Danny Ainge will 
fire him. No, and he would have to. He would have to want to leave. Yeah, I think so. Barring Indiana leaving this job open until May, June, and let and letting just waiting him out, letting him have an, another disappointing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, NBA playoff run, and having that happen. But regardless of that, it appears like Indiana wanted a little discussion in a pre pre NCAA tournament week when the only team in the state of Indiana that made the tournament were the Purdue Boilermakers and that there will be NCAA tournament games being played on Assembly Hall their their, their court. floor and they will yeah. not be and they present. won't be a part of it at all and that former coach Kelvin Sampson is going to be I think that I think the thing I saw was he would be coaching um, a game at Assembly Hall which is just a little more uh, salt in the wound. So that's that's the way Indiana goes. Maybe we'll have a little conversation, a little prediction of who ends up there. But I saw a list today that included Shaka Smart. And I would say if Shaka Smart goes from Texas to Indiana. Just the perfect timing. I would. Indiana fans, you don't want Shaka Smart. You don't want Shaka Smart. I don't think they do. No. No. All right. You ready to get going with questions? Last last thing on this, Chris Beard, was, is this a big enough job to warrant his interest? Because it, this is one of my questions. It is should. How many more tournaments? And let's dive in with this. I'm going to jump out of order. Okay. But it's a, a nice segue, so I'm going to do it. Okay. How many more tournaments? Question number one. Does Chris Beard coach in Lubbock? So if Indiana comes with the right amount of money, it could be the answer could be zero. If Indiana doesn't come with the right amount of money. The answer is two or three or four, depending. That's a lot of options. That is a lot of options. But the answer is, and I'm cheating with this, the answer becomes, when does Roy Williams retire That's exactly North Carolina? what I wrote down. That's exactly what exactly. I wrote down. Because I think you keep saying Duke, and I just don't. No, I was the one who came up with North Carolina. Okay, I've heard you float Duke. I've floated both of them because both those guys are probably going to be done around the same time, I would figure. And I think that Duke is just... Not very on brand for Chris Beard. I think that he's a public university individual type guy. Okay, does, fair that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Blue <laughs> collar. I, yeah, he seems very blue collar. Because nothing says blue collar like North Carolina Chapel Hill. <laughs> very true. Um, to to the same extent, I hope he doesn't end up at Texas. And I think that Shocker Smart continuing to win games is. Not very good for that case, so uh, we're good with it. But if you had to press me on it, I would say Chris Beard's at Texas Tech three more seasons. I literally wrote down, I'm going to answer this question with a question. How many seasons does Roy Williams have? How many tournaments does Roy Williams have in Chapel Hill? That was my answer. I think that three is a safe guess. Yeah, I, I would take... I think I'd take the under, but I think three is a max mark on that. The wild card is he goes to the NBA, which apparently he's been courted a couple times in the and past. I don't know. I don't know how much he wants to do that. But okay, question. We'll hop back to the top of the notes. Okay, let's do it. The top of the questions and start with a, uh, a question that I think we've been asking for multiple weeks now. For a wire to wire number one overall or number one 
ranked team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga versus the field. For a little background here, on Ken Palm, I'm looking at it now. Gonzaga is at 38.05 adjusted efficiency measure. That probably is just a number that goes over the top of most people's heads. For reference, no team in the history of the sport has finished with an adjusted efficiency metric um, higher than that, let alone entered the tournament with it. Yeah. So they are, according to the metrics, one of the best teams ever since the Ken Palm era dates back to the 02 season. With that being said, Bart Torvik's tournament odds give Gonzaga a 33.1% chance of being the, the champion. And they are plus 200 in Vegas. Are you taking Gonzaga or are you taking the field? UConn's in the field, right? (laughs) No. uh, I think you would be foolish on numbers, on logic alone, to take anybody but Gonzaga. But the thing that we've known about the Zags for a long time, and given this team is different for a whole bevy of reasons from any team that Mark View has ever had, the thing that we've known about Gonzaga is... That they have elite teams, yeah, absolutely. They play in a very weak conference and can get lulled into a sense of stability that doesn't lend itself to March, and they get beat. And that's happened time and time again. They've only reached the one national title game, despite having plenty of teams capable of getting to that point. So for that reason, I probably would take the field, but only by a whisker. It's a pick Yeah, I... I would take the field as well, 33.1% chance, according to Torvik. That means more than 50% chance that it's not going to be Gonzaga. All it takes is one loss, and it just doesn't... If this was a team from a power conference, undefeated, I would believe in them significantly. Yeah, if it were Baylor? If it was Baylor, if it was Kentucky of 2015, I honestly thought was going to roll to that national championship. Probably should have. You can make an argument that... It was not a very good coaching job by John Calipari. With that being said, it's not going to shock me at all if, if Gonzaga gets in there. And we're going to discuss their their road to the Final Four and their road to the National Championship later because it's not necessarily the most uh, treacherous of, of all four number one seeds, I would say. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Gonzaga gets there, and, and we'll see what happens. Are you ready to move to question number two? Let's do it. All right. Over under 100 points for Io DeSumo in the NCAA tournament. You posed this question. I think that the play here, not to be a Debbie Downer, is the under because Io averages 20 points per game. And if he just hits his season averages, he has to get to the national championship. And that's right. quite an assumption. Okay, so here's what I I wrote down for this one, and I did probably my most research for this question. I think he does do it. Simply, if Illinois plays six games, which would be getting to the national title, I'm aware of that. He would need to average 16.7 points per game, which is below his average, right? If Illinois played five, which I think is almost even somehow a much more likely feat, given that they're probably going to run into... I mean, I say probably. I pick three one seeds in UConn in the Final Four. I think it's much more likely that Illinois gets to that point knowing how good the one seeds have been this year. If they're playing other one seeds, that is a worthy competitor, right? But Illinois has won 14 of their last 15. They're playing better than anybody in the country at the moment, Gonzaga included, because they've done it against tougher competition, right? That's not a, 
an unfair thing to say. So I think for them to get to the Final Four, I'd say that's a 50-50 shot based on the roster composition. So that's not as much of a reach. If Illinois were to play five games, he would need to average 20 points per game. There's not a single stretch, Gabe, of six games this year in which Io did not score 100 points. It only happened twice that in five games he didn't get to 100. Here's another weird thing. Illinois is also 4-0 in games in which Io scored fewer than 15. And 7-0 if you include the games that he didn't play in which they didn't get more than 15 points of contribution. So what you're saying is... Illinois is better than they are with Io without him? Or that they can get by and have some small games from Io and he could potentially, you know... Yeah, he can coast a little, uh, not at the later stages, but with the way Kofi Coburn is playing right now, with the way uh, Trent Frazier has picked up on the back half of the year, found his shooting touch again, with the way their freshmen have developed, the reason Illinois is a special team is because they have the best player in the country this year, but they also have a great team around him full of guys that can step up when their number is called, no matter what the stage is. Yeah, so Io is the the Illinois team is twenty six percent chance to get to the final four, according to Torvik. That's a pretty good odds. Yeah, in in terms of their fourth most. Who's above fifth. them? I would imagine it's only Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Houston, Baylor, and Michigan. Whoa! Wow! Does Torvik just not account for the fact that Isaiah Livers was like the only guy that could score with the ball in their hands for Michigan? There's obviously no way for them to project. So it's, so Torvik is a raw metric. Yes, okay. it is. It is a raw metric. I will get to, I'll pose question number three for you, and then I'm going to plug in the charger for your laptop. Who are the top five coaches that you trust in this tournament? Oh, geez. I mean, it's hard not to say Chris Beard, right? Mm-hmm. But I honestly feel like we maybe exult Chris Beard a little bit too much. Didn't have a fantastic team. I don't think a team that would have gone any further than the Sweet 16 at best last year. No. And, I mean, he's really not been in Lubbock that long. I know he got Texas Tech to a national championship game and got them into an overtime to win said national championship game, but they had multiple lottery picks on that team. It's not like it was an untalented bunch. Um, hmm. I mean, it's hard to say anybody other than Mike Izzo, but... Tom. Why do I keep saying Mike? You want to say Shashevsky, you want to get him... Tom, the, the weird things that I do, God Tech Hornets... Uh, Your brain shuffles stuff. It does. Um, interesting. But uh, Tom Izzo, it's hard to pick against him, right? Because, I mean, he's Mr. March. But you literally just saw him... Exactly. He was the first round in... To Maryland. The, and wasn't a competitive game either. It was not close. They went 10 minutes with one basket scored. So... I trust Brad Underwood. Whoa. Based on what? Based on his team. If we're talking about this year, I trust him based on his team. I don't know what... I guess his team His team certainly overcomes some of the fact that he's never had crazy tournament success. Mm-hmm. He's had success at Stephen F. Austin and such. But that's completely different. I guess... I guess the one time we've seen Chris Beard with the team after he won a game with Arkansas Little Rock, he went to the national championship, so I wouldn't be surprised if Underwood makes a run. 
but there's not a ton to support it. I would say Chris Beard is my number one. Wow, really? Yeah, I just I you still, just implicitly trust him. And I'm saying I'm interpreting this question as which coach do I trust the most to avoid a stupid loss in the first? Because that was what was hard for me. Which coaches do you trust to get to a national title game? Or which That's coaches different. do you trust to like win a couple games and not get beat by somebody they shouldn't? Because for me, if we're doing that that way, the way I approached it, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton's number one. And I have Leonard, I have Leonard Hamilton on my list. Because they just don't get upset. Well, the team that really doesn't get upset is, or the coach that does not get upset, 29 NCAA tournament appearances, never lost in the first round, Roy Williams. And that is just a dumbfounding stat. That's nuts. He's won in every single tournament that he's gotten into, at least once. That does not bode well for uh, Wisconsin. That's certainly the stat that I would put if I'm, if if you're convincing yourself that Wisconsin's going to win that game, probably don't. <laughs> probably don't. Yeah, uh, Bill Self, I trust. So let, let me. So one and two for me for sure. I think are established are, are Self. And Leonard Hamilton. I did not put Bill Self on my list. Wow. And I didn't put him on the list, not because not because I think that... I guess my expectations are just that low for this Kansas team. Jalen Wilson didn't make the trip. McCormick and Anaruna have not made the trip yet. Yet. Even though they, so they think that they, should, yeah, that they should play on Saturday, um, if all goes according to plan. I just... I guess maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I am trying to reverse jinx this, and I'm trying to like speak into existence. You're trying to northeastern it. I'm tr- <laughs> I'm trying to northeastern it. I'm trying to get people lower on. Yeah. I just I just think that the last two tournaments that they've been in, when they played Auburn as a five yep. and USC here as a six, they're playing very capable teams who I can make a pretty solid argument underperformed in conference play relative to their talent and should have been seated higher and have maybe the best player on the court. Like Jared Harper in that round of 32 team, uh, game two years ago was probably the best player on the court given college and circumstances and such. And Evan Mobley will certainly be the best player on that court. It's a matter of can Bill Self change the tide with his coaching. And yeah. I guess I should trust him in that sense. I just don't know if I trust that they're going to win that game. And I don't, th- and I think that it would be an upset for Kansas to win that game, and I would love for it to happen because I think that they will be underdogs in Vegas if it happens, and people will hold it over self as another time where he loses to a seed that's lower than him when, on paper, they weren't favored to. But that's hmm. just that. Do you want the rest of my list? Fair enough. I'm reevaluating my list in real time since you've reestablished the criteria. Well, I'm just telling you how I interpreted it. You okay. don't have to interpret it that way. Well, no, I under think it's a better way to interpret it. Under on the, the assumption, field. under the assumption that um, these are coaches that are going to avoid a stupid loss, mm-hmm. I'm going with Mark Few because I don't think Gonzaga gets beat by yeah. anyone who's not a real title right. threat. They get beat by somebody they shouldn't in the second weekend. Yeah, they get beat. Like I can't imagine a tournament where Gonzaga loses anywhere before the Elite Eight. Yeah, I could see them losing to Kansas. I could see them losing to USC. I could see them losing to Iowa. Yeah, somebody who bombs threes on who. Yeah, somebody who makes a bunch of threes and maybe has the chance to defensively take away 
some things from them, force them into uh, a situation like that. Like the BYU recipe from the WCC yeah, title game. sure. That's that. Mark Few's on my list. I already said Leonard Hamilton. I already said Roy Williams and Chris Beard. The last one is Dana Altman. Like, I... I trust that Dane Altman is winning that first round game. I understand that it's a 7-10 matchup. Ooh, that's a good shot. I understand that it's a probably two and a half point spread or whatever, but I think that Oregon is a very safe pick. And I honestly think the Oregon State loss in the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament is a good cleanse for them. Like, I think that it's a good thing Okay, they lost that game. Let me tell you who I've considered now that you've thrown Dane Altman in there. I consider Will Wade, who, I mean, say what you will, has won tournament games. Yes. Consistently. I mean, even as recently as the last tournament we saw, right? So that was on there. LSU got to the Sweet 16 that year, correct? With Tremont Waters. They beat Maryland. They lost to Michigan State, who beat Zion. Yeah, correct. So he's in there for sure, I think. Dana Altman was a good one. The list I kind of gamed down to this group of five was Leonard Hamilton, Bill Self, Brad Underwood, Mark Few, and Dana Altman. I think that uh, Will Wade probably comes in at six. How much do you trust Juan Howard? I don't know if that's a later question for you, but... I didn't have anything Michigan-related on tonight's pod, but I was planning to talk about them on Wednesday night. Because they would have been a tournament team last year. Yeah, and I guess... We didn't get to see it. It's very unproven, and I think that this is... I almost want to say it's unfair to him to judge him based on an Isaiah Livers-less Michigan team. But with that being said, let's move to question four. We stay in the West region. Of course, geography does not matter. They're all playing in (laughs) Indianapolis. But somehow we are a day in, and I have almost correlated all teams to um, the region that they're playing in. Question number four, over under 75 points in the tourney for Luka Garza. I don't know if you necessarily went as in-depth on the numbers and crunched it and such. I didn't do that. As you did with Io. I'm going to go with over. I think that he scores 30-plus against GCU. I think that he puts 25 up in the next two games, and that gets you 75. And even if they don't get to the Elite Eight, they could they could lose in the Sweet 16, and if he plays three games, he's getting his 75 points. Yeah, I just have him losing in the first round, so I said no. Okay, I, I assumed. that that's what I, <laughs> I, I think he'll get his 30-bomb, but I mean— I, I, if they score 30 against, he scores 30 against GCU, you still think GCU wins that game? Yeah. I mean, okay, hold on. But realist, let's backtrack it. Can I put some, like, actual weight behind why I'm picking GCU? We've seen that when Luka can't just push people around, he struggles. And Iowa subsequently struggles. Right, so when you get your first round draw, you're anticipating playing a team with a six-eight center that likes to, you know, get up and down and shoot some threes. Right, GCU has a legit seven-footer named Asborn Mickguard who shoots seventy percent from the floor, is big as all get out, built is not Euros Plasvic, is like actually built and can stop people, and that's a nightmare nightmare scenario. For Iowa to pull a team out of the mid-major conferences that has a serious big man that could actually give Lucas some problems. Keep talking yourself into it. Keep talking yourself. He's still going to drop 30. Yeah, maybe. He's still going to drop 30. All right. I, I know that you said no, and you, <laughs> you think that they're out after the first round, so we're not going to dwell on that question for too long. Question number five tonight. Remember, we're doing 34 of these in part one, 34 
Should be Wednesday night for part two. Based on the TV tip-off times, what set of four games in the first round are you most excited to watch? Where are you going? Well, okay. I gotta be honest, on Sunday, gonna be, you know, calling some high well, school basketball. Sunday, Sunday so will be the third round. It'll be the, the third second, round. Second round, so. So, and then, of course, we're not counting the first four, right? No. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, unless two 16 on 16 matchups is what really sets you up here. I can tell you who I got. I've okay, got. go for it. So, my best set of four games is Friday night. You've got Clemson Rutgers, San Diego State, Syracuse, West Virginia, Moorhead State, Winthrop, Villanova. That ends Friday night. So it's the first day you're going to be... That's the best time of the tournament. You're going to be... You're, yeah, you're you're still looking forward to the next day of first round matchups. So you're not going to be down in the dumps about the, the weekend almost being over yet because it's really just kicking off at that point. You're going to have the lead-up of the entire first day that you've got, gotten to enjoy and consume. And with that being said, you get Clemson-Rutgers, which is probably not going to be the most fun game to watch, but it will be close. Did you know there are five teams with oranges or primary color in that region? Six. Six? Six. Who's the six? It Oregon is. State, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Illinois, Clemson. Illinois. Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, Clemson. Syracuse. Good point. So that's six. Um, Clemson-Rutgers should be close, even if it's low scoring. Um, It will be a very competitive game. San Diego State, Syracuse could be a quote-unquote upset, even though it would be an 11 over a six, and it would be an ACC team over a Mountain West team. West Virginia-Moorhead State, I think, is going to be the closest 14 versus three matchup, and I think that any time that you get to watch the guy that we've dubbed Quattro McBride, yeah, play some basketball. and Morehead State's really hot. Morehead right State, yeah. I think that I think that that is the closest fourteen over three matchup. Mm-hmm. Winthrop Villanova is a fun upset pick, and people on the East Coast, obviously us out here, we're not gonna have to worry about it as much because it'll be an earlier tip time. But people on the East Coast are gonna have to keep their eyes peeled open to see that. So it will be fun, but it will give you great reason to stay up on Friday night. That's my t- my set of four. Okay, I'm split. On this, part of me wants to go with the first, literally the first four games for a couple reasons. One of which being just to see a legit tournament game in action again is going to be a very. That's a cheat answer. That's a cheat answer. Well, it's part of it, but it's going to be a profound emotional moment for anybody watching that game. But also, the game's really good. Virginia Tech, Florida is probably going to be an exciting up and down game. Virginia Tech's going to get a lot of threes up. Florida's got athletes thinking, go dunk on you, which are fun. Colgate, Arkansas. That's going to have a billion and six points. I mean, Illinois Drexel is kind of a throwaway in this pod because, I mean, it's a 116. Drexel is 12 and 7. <laughs> and Illinois is Illinois. Utah State, Texas Tech, we've already talked about that. The potential for a Mac McClung moment, that's fun too. But I think what I'm actually going to go with um, here is on Saturday, you have a slate starting at 325 on TBS, Grand Canyon, and Iowa. I've already outlined that I think there's upset potential there. Then personal reasons, Maryland, Yukon. Okay, that makes sense. Virginia, Ohio, which we all think is one of the hotter upset picks in the whole bracket, right, coming into this. Um, and, of course, Ohio has Preston, and that's just going to be fun to see whether or not he can do enough to beat Virginia. Right, he will be the best player on the floor, over Sam Hauser. Absolutely, he's the best player on that floor. 
he has the best NBA career of anyone on that floor. I think you are short selling the better Hauser brother, but we will not linger there. I said that I said that Hauser should be the ACC Player of the Year all year long. So you can't tell me that I've been shortchanging Sam Hauser. You think that? Well, I still think he should have been. If you, we don't need to have this discussion, but the tempo that Virginia plays with, his numbers adjusted for tempo Mm -hmm. would have been very impressive. And I still think Jason Preston's better. Okay. And then Missouri, Oklahoma, which is the best 8-9, other than Loyola and Georgia Tech, I think. Or St. Bonaventure And uh, there's a lot of good 8-9s. But maybe this game isn't... Okay, from a caliber standpoint, I don't think that this is the best game. But from an evenly matched standpoint, eight LA, Oklahoma and Missouri Former might be the exact finals. same team. Former conference Former con- yeah, There you go. That as well. All right. Question number six. Which coach is most likely to parlay success in this tournament into a new job? Okay, so I had a couple. I'm, again, going to let you go first on this one because I'm interested in what you have to say. But uh, I think the answer is very obvious. So there's people who jokingly have been flaunting uh, Rick Pitino out there as a guy who can make a job. (laughs) And as much as that would be fun, I'm not going to say that that's the most likely outcome because I do think that there's a decent chance. I mean, he can move on, but I I think that there's a decent chance Iona is his last stop. He's getting up there in terms of age. The most likely one I'm actually going to go with, I know they're a 15 seed. I know that they're probably not going to win, but just the fact that they will show up and have respect and did very well in their league this year, I'm going to go with Cleveland State's Dennis Gates. I think that he... Wow. I think that he's in line to... That's a deep cut. Like, just showing up, I think he's going to... I would say there's a pretty pretty slim chance he's still coaching Cleveland State after next year. Okay. The other one I would go with is Pat Kelsey at Winthrop. I threw out one that I felt was way more obvious. I did two. Porter Moser is the okay. first one. So I, I don't feel like that's a reach. He's been to a Final Four at Loyola, Chicago. But the, the Boston College job is gone. I guess the DePaul job came open today, which... Would keep Wouldn't him. Mean he town. doesn't have to leave to Chicago, and he could. Yeah, yeah. Indiana? No. You don't think it's a big? If they want to get back to prototypical Indiana basketball, he'd be a perfect fit. He'd be perfect. He's and not a big enough name. He's not a big enough name for you to fire a guy for ten million dollar buyout. Well, when I'm, one person's willing to just pony up and pay, and it. like, trust me, I think, I maybe they could take. Maybe he would be considered as a, t- a discount to the donors and such and like you can make the argument if you go football wise that like Dabo Sweeney was willing to take a lot less money to get that Clemson job at first and look how that paid off he also was within the program and such it doesn't matter yeah Porter Mosier yeah if you want to talk about playing fundamental basketball and things that Indiana fans would love they would love his style and such with their recruits and I know he would recruit, recruit the Midwest Indiana well, very well and he would recruit Indiana very well I just don't know if he's a big enough name for Pete like when when I'm seeing list of Chris Beard Scott Drew yeah, Shaka course. Smart and Brad Stevens and you give me Porter, Porter Mosier not gotten that's that. a tough sell okay the, the other one and this one's easy is Brian Dutcher because I think San Diego State's a team that profiles like it could make a run and buried deep in the annals of his contract, there is a clause that says, hey, if Minnesota offers me the job, that buyout that costs $6.9 million now becomes a $1 million buyout. And Brian Dutcher's dad was the coach 
Jim Dutcher at Minnesota from 1975 to 1985, won the school their last Big Ten title. I feel like the stars kind of just align on that one, especially if they do anything. In Brian the Dutcher went to the University of Minnesota, so that's, also also that. Yeah, if that job, if they offer him the job, and they should, yeah, I think he'll take it. Yeah, I agree. So that's logically. That's, I think they were talking about this whenever he got his extension last off season. Yeah, Tampering like, going on. Well. I think San Diego State knows that they didn't have him for for too long. long. I mean, if yeah. when you when that is in the buyout, when someone tells you, I will hey. lower yeah. it that much. Yeah, that's what we'll go with. So, okay, question number seven. Since 1997, every national champion except for Arizona in 1997 and UConn in 2014 has been a top three seed. So, what four seed or worse? is most likely to win the national championship, and I'm adding a stipulation, you can't say UConn, because I know that you want to say UConn. So you have to go with something else. See, and this year it is particularly difficult because it is hard to see in a crystal ball anybody other than Gonzaga, Illinois, or Baylor. Are you just laughing at the fact that my bracket's called Shizalston's son? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so you said four seed or below. That means the four seeds are off limits, right? No, no, no. no. You can. Yeah, I you can, can pick, pick a four, four seed. Okay. I feel like it's got to be Oklahoma State, then. Yeah. Because they just got Cade, and yeah. that's it. And the other, the only other ones I could see is Texas Tech, who has a great coach and a guard in McClung who could carry them, and USC, who, and I don't believe this because I don't think Andy Enfield's a good enough coach, and he's no. And he's proven that, but USC because they have Evan Mobley. And because they match up well with yeah. Kansas, they match up well with Iowa. And, I mean, if they can get a massive shooting night from Tajidi and Ethan Anderson, would match up decently with Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I'd say maybe, 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 if you just really believe intrinsically in Jay Wright, that's the best coach in college basketball. That's the only one no. that you could, like, reach for and say, Jay Wright turns it on. Villanova's going to the ship. But, like, the closest thing that I could come to finding a team that I felt comfortable with, realistically, was West Virginia, of the teams that aren't considered national title contenders that can make a run. I can. And even then, they're, they're still seat. a top three they're seed. Three yeah, seat. exactly. Yeah. So you can't do it. Although I can I can see a lot of people talking themselves into them because Illinois, I think Illinois got the toughest region. Question number eight. Oh, we already got to this one. How many more tournaments does Chris Beard have in Lubbock? Question number nine. Which mid-major player are you most excited to watch? I went with another deep cut on this one, like I did with the coaching Whoa, one. Oh, dude. Then this again. This is one, and you can't see the Gonzaga guys, right? No, this is off the board. No, it, Corey Kispert is not a mid-major. Then, player. then the fact of the matter is, is Cam Crutwig. Okay. I, I want to see his chonky butt running around. Play against Moses, right? Running passes from the high post, threading the needle. Yeah, this, this is the answer. So, I have some... Sha- Shackle is my backup. Okay, and I have, I have friends in Illinois, and one of them is a Fighting Illini fan who said um, that he, a couple weeks ago, was saying... Would love to see Cam Crutwig as a grad transfer <laughs> at, at Illinois next year to replace Kofi. And I was like, that would be two massive human beings who play the basketball in two, some large boys. Completely different ways. But I w- would be incredible to see. So to see Crutwig play Illinois and then maybe transfer there would be incredible. I don't, I'm not predicting that. Did that you happens. not go with Crutwig? No, I didn't. 
I went with a very deep cut. Is it Vaden? No. Is it Asborn Mickgard? No. <laughs> Which should have been my answer. It's a 15 2 matchup, though. Okay. So they're not going to win. They're going to have a lot of fun while losing. Um, Oral Roberts has the NCAA's per game scoring leader, 24.4 points per game. Points per game. Max Asmus is how you pro- is how you pronounce his last name. The spelling is A B M A S. So people are going to get that massively wrong throughout the tournament, like just general people. Um, Max Asmus is his name, and I guarantee you he puts up 20 plus because Ohio State doesn't play a ton of defense. Oral Roberts loves to chuck threes. They'll be a ton of fun. They're going to lose that first game, mm-hmm. but you'll have fun watching him. Um, so. Because the question is, which player are you most excited to watch? And it's my list. I get to say him. Deep cut. Question number 10. We're going to keep talking about mid-majors. Most likely mid-major to make the Final Four. Obviously, Gonzaga does not count. I feel like it's got to be San Diego State or St. Bonaventure. Yeah. Um, I I said Loyola Chicago is the team I wanted to put, but the fact that they get Illinois, and then if they beat Illinois, probably Cade. And if they beat uh, Cade, they probably get... um, West Virginia? Is that... Am I, I believe you're am correct, I yes. Bracket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would get... So, Loyola Chicago's run would be Georgia Tech, Illinois, Oklahoma State, if seeds fall, uh, either Houston, Syracuse, San Diego State, or West Virginia. Because I don't believe in Clemson or Rutgers. So, that's a tough run for Loyola Chicago. So, I wrote down St. Bonaventure as my pick. Yeah, and I agree with you on that, merely because uh, we've talked about this. Michigan is a wounded animal right now. Mm-hmm. And if there was one of these nine seeds that was going to get, and, like, I think LSU is going to make a run, but that first game is the one that scares me the most, I think St. Bonaventure, if they can get that one, can definitely get Michigan. And then there's not really anybody else until they get to the Elite Eight that scares me. I mean, I would be terrified that they would get overwhelmed by the size of, of Florida, Florida State. State. But also, I could see Florida State losing to a fundamentally sound team in Colorado. Like, Colorado, yeah. Colorado is the profile of a team that has beaten the likes of Florida State all year long. I've mm-hmm. said the ACC is the Pac-12 with better branding. Yeah. And guess what? Colorado's a Pac-12 team. They would have fit in great in the ACC this yeah. year. Yeah. And fl- By the way, Florida State, str- I, I know they got to the conference championship game. But they're struggling right now. Yeah, they should they should have beaten Georgia Tech. And I will say, last thing on St. Bonaventure, I'm a little worried that LSU could trip them up, mostly because they only played two non-conference games this year. So their yeah. schedule was very A10 happy. It's the right. same. It's the same thing with Colgate playing four a, teams. It was supposed to be a good A10. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's supposed to be a good league. I mean, hey, they beat St. Louis at points this year, correct? And St. Louis beat LSU. That's true. So, I mean, if that, that's obviously transitive property, it doesn't mean anything. But to show you the level of competition they play, the A-10 is a strong mid-major. Yes. All right. Continue to fly along. Question 11. Over under one and a half second weekend teams for the ACC. <laughs> See, and it's like you're tempted to say that's ridiculous. They're definitely getting more than one and a half. We, we know that Roy Williams is getting to the second weekend now. You've enlightened us, right? So I only need a second team. So no, I'll no, take no, the no, over. No, no, no. Roy's winning one game. You second weekend, not second game. Apologize. Yeah. So, okay, let's just run through it. You outlined exactly why we shouldn't necessarily believe in Florida State. Mm-hmm. 
but I still think that I, I mean, we definitely don't think North Carolina is getting to the second weekend. No, we think Virginia is losing in the first round. Yes, Clemson ain't getting to the second weekend. So the answer, Clemson could beat Houston. Like I think Clemson Rutgers, the winner of that game. I don't know who's going to win it, but I think that the winner of that game plays a five-point or less game with Houston. Like, especially if it's Clemson, because Clemson's defense is good enough to put on a performance like Memphis, and Memphis kept yeah. their games close with Houston. Like, it's that same type of profile. The team. answer is no. I think they're definitely more than one and a half that get the second game, not the second weekend. And I would say over, because I, at the end of the day, I trust Leonard Hamilton. <laughs> I trust Florida State. And I think that Syracuse or Clemson could easily get out of that first weekend as well. Question number 12. Who can be the Steph Curry, the Shabazz Napier, or the Kemba Walker of this tournament? The easiest, the easiest answer is Preston, right? At Ohio? You're, so you're going with the small school guy. You're going with the Steph. Yeah, the Steph. Okay, cool. Because my answer would be James Booknight. Yeah. When I wrote the question down, it was modified. Who's the Steph Curry guy? The guy who splashes onto the scene, the guy who becomes a college basketball legend. Making him run a small school. I would say if you're going, if you're, but I don't think Ohio is going more than one round, so maybe that's not a fair interpretation. I think Jacory McLaughlin could be your Steph. If Interesting you're going small school guy, thirty nine percent three point shooter, high scoring team. I could see him if you're going. If you're going small school guy, if you're going Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, literally as a three seed Kemba Walker type run. Miles McBride is my pick. I like that. We've been on this all year. I love Miles McBride. Quattro. Yeah. And Illinois has a tough region, so if it would not shock me if that thing, they beat up on themselves. They get beat by Loyola or Georgia Tech. They get beat by Cade. If you match up Cade versus McBride in the Elite Eight, I, I, I know I was the person who was telling you it's not that hard for teams to win three straight times, but Oklahoma State winning three straight against West Virginia because the talent gap between those teams is not that strong, I would be shocked if they beat West Virginia three straight times. So, Miles McBride could be The man who just Kemba. told me that it's no, actually not that hard to beat a team three straight times. Statistically, that's true, and statistically... It wasn't, it wasn't in this postseason. And uh, small sample size. <laughs> statistically, I think that that's because most of the time when teams play three straight times, it's because or play three times in a year, it's two blowouts, and then an early conference tournament game where they just blow them out again. The 28% is what we see. And when we only see very good games this year, that's what happens. All right. Are we good with moving on? We are good with moving on. Over under one and a half second weekend teams for the Pac-12. That's, I think, an over. And I think it'll Whoa. be. I, well, I know Oregon's going to be there. I know Oregon's going to be there. You're very because you think that district Iowa of the GCU. Yeah, so I know Oregon's going to be there, and I'm willing to bet that one of USC Colorado, Colorado, USC, and maybe even Oregon State because I think Oregon State could get Tennessee and then Cade. <laughs> yeah, if if they have won that many games in a row at that point, yeah, I do think so. There's something to that. I think you take Oregon State out of the magic of Las Vegas. And I had some time to think on it after picking yep. them to beat Tennessee. They're not beating Tennessee. Um, Colorado's a better bet to get out of the first round. The thing is, UCLA winning the play-in game or winning the game against Michigan State yeah. and then winning against BYU, 
then that requires them to still beat Texas. So UCLA has to win three games to get there. I'm going under because I think that USC or Colorado will get to the second weekend. I don't think that both will. Okay. That would be my bet. Okay. Is there anything Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs can do to pass Cade Cunningham as the number one pick in the draft? That's question 14. I don't think so. And we saw that Carmelo Anthony was not the number one pick in the draft. A little bit different, of course. But even if somehow Evan Mobley was the best player on a championship team as a true freshman, which won't happen. Even if Jalen Suggs was just far and away the best player on Gonzaga's national which championship Which he won't be because Corey Kispert probably not. will be. Even if that happened, I think there's just too much of a body of evidence to suggest that Cade Cunningham is the prototypical NBA model. And it's kind of like, you know, Trevor Lawrence not winning the national championship this year. Didn't matter. Still going to go first overall by a mile. Evan Mobley would have to have like three triple doubles. Like 20 and 20 hitting, triple doubles. Hitting step back three. Yeah. Like blocking shots right into scouts at, <laughs> at the final four. I don't know if there will be scouts. Literally now. hitting scouts over the head with that. Yeah, basketball. like he would have to do that type of stuff to, to advance. Question number 15. Whose legacy can be impacted the most by this tournament? I think that there's a very obvious answer. And I think that it's Mark Few. Yeah. If he's, that, no, if he's this, not going to win a it, national It's title Mark Few and it's Scott Drew. Yeah. And I would say Mark Few's older, and he has the team that is far and away the favorite in this thing. And a bigger monkey to get off his back, quite frankly. Yeah, and the fact that he— Because he's been there before, and Scott Drew has not. Scott Drew hasn't been to an Elite to- Eight yet. He has not. I don't believe that—has Baylor been to an Elite Eight? I don't think I think he's Baylor- been to two, sir. I do not believe that Baylor's been to an Elite Eight. But you can look it up. It's definitely Mark Few, though. Mark Few is the guy that has the most on-the-line legacy-wise. You got tournament? I, I don't disagree with this at all. You're looking for me to disagree? I don't. Okay. Are you are you looking up Scott Drew's NCAA tournament history? I, I am. I'm pretty confident about this. He is 10-6 and all-time in the tournament, is what it says. Sweet 16, yeah, he's he's never been. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah. The two times that he's made it to a Sweet 16, his team got blown out. Okay, fair enough. Oh, no, wait. I was supposed to say, I'm pretty pretty sure. 2012, he made it to an Elite Eight. There you go. Who did they play? I don't know. I don't know anything about the 2012 college basketball season. Why can I not remember who made it to the Elite Eight? And I, I, like, I'm so fixed on this. Did they, they didn't lose to Kentucky. Or were they the Kentucky loser? Let's just look at Baylor's schedule that year. This is great content. This is very, I mean, we've come to halt. Scott Drew's NCAA tournament record keeps me. Up at night? Yeah. Occupying space in your brain rent-free? Somewhat. Uh, NCAA tournament. Let's see. Schedule and results on Wikipedia. They beat South season. Dakota State. Then they beat 11 They seed. did. They, lose, they lost to Kentucky. They, they lost to Anthony Davis. Team. And they, they got helped out in a big way by Xavier. Sets. By, yeah. They got to play 14, 11, and a 10. Very fraudulently. <laughs> All right. Doesn't count. I can move. Yeah, Scott Drew has a lot to prove this tournament. Question number 16. Who will be the conference with the last team standing, the SEC or the Big East? You wrote this question. Yeah. I'm going to say it was a bad question. 
The answer is the SEC, but I'm going to say the Big East because UConn. And I will say that the SEC will have two teams that stick around longer than any Arkansas. Well, okay. This would be a better. Let me rephrase the question then. This would be a better question. Who makes it further in the tournament? Arkansas or LSU? Arkansas or LSU? Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas wins an, like Arkansas gets an automatic win in the first round. Colgate has played four teams. Everyone convincing themselves that Colgate is going to win a, a tournament game. They've played four teams <laughs> all year long. They beat Holy Cross six times. Six times. The same team. The same Holy Cross Crusaders. Holy Cross has made tournaments. I'm not that impressed. My mother picked them over at Oregon that one time. It didn't go well. Yeah, that doesn't normally... Holy Cross over Oregon's not going to go well. She was like Catholic school, St. Patrick's Day. Book it. Yeah. Arkansas and Alabama will stick around longer than any Big East team. Arkansas will stick around longer than LSU. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU loses to St. Bonaventure in the first round. That's my answer to this question. We've kind of touched on this already, but Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, who goes further in the tournament? I'm going to say... I just don't believe in USC. And I'm going to say, I think that if there's going to be anarchy, chaos in that bottom of the West region, you think Iowa loses to GCU. I think Iowa could get beat by Oregon. That's a bad matchup for Iowa in terms of... I think it's honestly the most dangerous... 7-2 or 10-2 matchup in the second round off the top of my head. I think that's the case because mm-hmm. I'm not from Ohio State. I'm not worried about Virginia Tech who was trying to dunk on haters for being down on them when they made it as a 10 seed. Um, okay, like cool. Other 10 seeds, I'm not scared of Rutgers. I'm not scared of Clemson if I'm Houston, even though I think that, that will be a close game. I still, I think that Oregon is by far the worst matchup for any two seed. Kansas is a great matchup for USC. I would, I think that they will be favored. I think that they will win that game. And I think if USC gets Iowa, Evan Mobley is a guy who will be able to match up with Luca Garza mm-hmm. and can use his speed and quickness probably to get Garza in foul trouble and really alter that game. I think USC is going to the lead eight. I think that they'll probably lose to Gonzaga. Um, and with that being said, I think that's still farther than Cade gets. I'm taking Cade Cunningham. I don't believe in USC like that. That's fair. I don't think their three-point shooting travels in Indianapolis uh, well enough for them to make that deeper run. That's fine. And I just answered this next question. Who will be the conference with the last team standing, the ACC or the Pac-12? I don't Obviously see any think ACC. I don't think any ACC team is getting the lead eight. I think USC is getting the lead eight. I've like really talked myself into USC being an elite. Yeah, team. you really have. Like I had that yesterday on the bracket, and I looked for reasons to convince myself otherwise. I don't see it. USC the lead eight. ACC. I don't see anybody sticking around past the Sweet Sixteen. I can't say again. My the difference is as it's been all year. You like USC in Colorado. I like Oregon. And even Oregon, you would probably have some reservations about. I think like I, if you think Oregon, I think so you have final bracket. I'm going to put Oregon in the Elite Eight. So either way, we're both higher on the Pac-12 than the ACC. Yes. In terms of their tournament. Yes. Prognosis. All right. 
Question 19 is a superlative about the first round. The biggest rock fight in the first round. Which game? <laughs> this is an easy answer. Which game is going to be ugly? Wisconsin and UNC. I don't think so. What? I think it's Clemson Rutgers. There will Rutgers. be like six centers on the floor at a time. Most of them will be white. But <laughs> you're confusing you're confusing old school basketball for rock fight when I'm saying game that will have the most like bricked threes. This one. No. Because they're still gonna shoot threes. So no, because those teams like North Carolina doesn't force themselves to take a lot of threes. Like North now, Carolina will not, be th- North now. Carolina. They might t- A, they've gotten better at shooting the three. Mm-hmm. And B North Carolina is perfectly comfortable with playing a game where they take nine or ten threes, and most teams take twenty. So, I would say Clemson Rutgers because poor three point shooting from Clemson is probably going to happen, and they defend well enough to really get Rutgers out of its rhythm. So, I'm going Clemson Rutgers as my rock fight. That I think is the other of the two obvious choices. I think I really think you are overstating what a game looks like when neither team can drive to the rim and score because there are just eight trees on the floor at any given time. I the the where I will agree with you on North Carolina and Wisconsin is there will almost certainly be a ton of interior paint touches, a ton of fouls and a ton of free throws. I don't think we're getting a lot of dribble drive layups in this game. No, I would agree with that. Right, which is my favorite kind of basketball to watch. So I, this is a rock, a rock fight by my definition. If we get Micah Potter, Nate Re- Nate Reavers, um, Brad Davison, Baycott, Kessler, Daron Sharp, all of them. Just play them all t- at the same time. This play. is like a prison yard game. Play four bigs and then rotate R.J. Davis and like it's Caleb just going to be guys punching each other by the end of it. You've convinced me. Yeah, Loyola Chicago, Georgia Tech will be low scoring, but it will be. It should really be low scoring, yeah. but it will be well executed offense right. with better defense and like fraught emotionally and like every game like I feel like that's the game in the first round where every bucket's going to feel like very tense it's going to feel like uh, Loyola's game with uh, Tennessee yeah. in yeah. the round of 32 yep. a couple years ago I agree number 20 um, will any of the replacement teams make it into the tournament I'm going to be optimistic I'm going to say no they had 2,100 COVID tests taken today, no positive test, which is a very good sign. Um, everyone, I think, I'm pretty sure everyone is in the bubble mm-hmm. and safely in so far. So I'm going to be optimistic. And Chris Mack is not very optimistic as far as thinking that he's going to play. He said that his quote today was, quote, no one's wishing for anyone to get COVID. We're not like on our hands and knees praying for an outbreak. That's just not us. So... I have a feeling some Louisville fans might be rooting for something, um, <laughs> but I'm holding out optimism that we're going to get all 68 intended teams in. I think I'm with you too. After seeing that number today, the just scale of it, because keep in mind, this bubble is so much bigger than anything that's been attempted to date. You would have to think that eventually there would be a leak of some kind. But I just think that based on how John Rothstein has reported about the conditions, like these guys are allowed to go to the ballroom to practice. They're allowed to go to the arenas to go play games, and they're allowed to be in their hotel rooms. And there is no in-between. And now that that's the situation, Mm -hmm. and 
con- contact tracing, quote unquote, is almost completely out the gate. Like they're they're not going to allow these guys to be around each other enough for the for one positive test to like contact trace an entire team. What happened to Kansas? Yeah. What what will happen, I think, if one person tests positive mm-hmm. is they'll send that person home and the team will play with one less guy. Yeah, I agree. And so And that sucks. But it sucks, but that's the way things go and can't the only thing Kansas can do is hopefully get their stay there long enough that Jalen Wilson can rejoin the team. I don't know who the guy is on Virginia, but you would hope that Virginia, if you're if you're a Virginia fan, is able to be there long enough that they can get their guys back. Question number 21. Which game, another superlative, is going to feel like an NBA game, a.k.a. which one is going to be the most high-scoring? I wrote down the most high-scoring, but you could just say the worst defense or it feels like the most shots are going down because uh, well, obviously a game could have like a ton of free throws at the end or overtimes or whatever but which game's going to have an NBA style feel I interpreted it as oh you interpreted it as like the NBA most players. NBA not necessarily that but the guys playing the most NBA style basketball okay which would be I think if are we allowed to project matchups no, the, I, I wrote down in the first round. In the first round, okay. I think that in the in the second set of thirty four questions, I want to start projecting things down the down line. Down the line, okay, fair more. enough, fair enough. So first round game, then, you think to it, me, I think it would be Oklahoma State Liberty. Oh, because okay. Liberty likes to move the ball around and get threes up. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State has Caden because they have basically a guy who plays NBA basketball right now. They play a pseudonym of NBA basketball in their own little way. Got a lot of dribble drive ability. You know, Ice Likely is that kind of NBA combo guard type um, with shooting around him. I think that's probably where I I would point. Okay. That's not the game that I would have picked, but I I can... You've sold me on it a little bit. Mine, I'm really high on this game. I'm really high. Like, I just want to watch this game be played. I know that... I know who's going to win. I know what it's going to look like, but I still want to see it. Oral Roberts in Ohio State. It's gonna. It yeah. has. It has the highest gamble. I just don't think there's total. Dwayne Washington. Dwayne. Dwayne is the only NBA player that will be on the floor. I think potentially. And I'm just saying highest scoring game. Like that. Okay. Was, that was the way. Well, that then I just asked that question. I I wrote in parentheses highest scoring <laughs> game of the first round. So I would to that I'd say just read the question. Mm, um, the fine print. But I already mentioned how much, how excited I am to watch Max Acemas and Dwayne Washington is going to score thirty, and it's going to be an up and down game. No team, neither team is very good in terms of defensive efficiency. Oral Roberts is let me pull it up, two hundred and eighty fifth in defensive efficiency, and Ohio State is seventy ninth, which is very very average for a power conference team. Question number 22. This is not a question. This is just Peyton admitting that he's disappointed that Obi Toppin will never get to play an NCAA tournament game. But I I added a question. Are you going to watch Dayton in the NIT? Probably not. Your last chance to get to watch Jalen Crutcher? Probably not. Okay. I I don't want to watch an NIT in empty arenas. (laughs) All right. Question number 23. Which team that's making its first NCAA tournament appearance in over five years are you most excited by? I, I wrote this question and then I didn't realize how many teams. It's a lot of teams. No, it's hard to make the NCAA tournament. But there's a lot of teams. Like, there's not a lot of more than five-year gaps. 
Like I thought St. Bonaventure had true. and St. Bonaventure had been in yeah, the tournament in 2018. So this kind of narrowed it down to lower seeded teams that you're interested by, and I wrote down UC Santa Barbara as my pick. I don't think that's a bad shout. Are you governing this based on matchup in a lot of ways? More so like which program are you happiest is getting a chance to play in the tournament? Doesn't matter if you think like they Ohio even if I mean we think they're going to win the game but even if people don't think like Cleveland State people are happy to see in the tournament Norfolk State is back in which makes a lot of people happy right. Georgetown I, th- I was just looking How long to make sure Georgetown? I was just it looking to make sure five years. has it it's been a long time I mean my last memory of Georgetown in the tournament is Dunk City in 2013 has it really been that long? It can't. It can't have been that long. I mean, Ewing's not made. He's been there three years. That seems incredible to me. With that being said, checks notes. I'm just gonna say. I already said he could be the Steph Curry to Corey McLaughlin, 39% three point shooter. Gauchos have only lost one game since December 28th, so I think that they're some something that. Um, it's been five. Okay, so the last tournament was yes, they in 2015. Who'd they play? They says they had a buy in the first round, according to that camp. Everybody gets a buy in the first round, yeah, okay, because of the first four. Cool, nice. Uh, beat Eastern Washington and lost to Utah. I believe that would have been the uh, Delon Wright, Yaka Pertle, okay, and Kyle Kuzma, Utah. Makes sense. I remember watching that game. Yep. Okay, so you're going Georgetown. I'm going, going UC Georgetown. Santa Barbara. Question number 24, which 16 seed is... I have to laugh at this. Most likely to upset a one. I just said none of them. I'm not playing along. You're but not You're not going to bite? No. The closest... I'll tell you which one I think is going to be the closest game. Neither... Nobody... Nobody's going to threat... Like, we're not even going to be on an upset alert for any of these one seeds. No. No, absolutely not. But the closest game... Will be Michigan's. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the only reason. Especially I, if they get Texas Southern. Right, and that's the only reason I wanted to talk about this. That's the only reason I posted a question was so that we could talk about. Hey, how confident are you that Michigan, you know, is going to get out of the first weekend? Very, because they run real offense and they're they do defensively. They do, and that the real offense got jammed up real good by Ohio State without Isaiah Livers. And to that, I would say Ohio State has plenty more capable bodies than Texas Southern does. Absolutely. Texas Southern's hope of keeping this game close is banging a ton of threes. and Yeah, play Hunter Dickinson off the floor. And we don't and even know if Texas Southern will beat Mount St. Mary's. We do not. So, we, we get to move on. Is that enough 16 over 1 talk? Shout out to the Mount. All right, shout out to the Mount. We said that we weren't going to reference all 68, but I've already mentioned Norfolk State. You've mentioned Mount St. Mary's, and I had said Texas Southern. So, three of the six Canvassing 16 coverage. seeds. Yeah, we're, we're getting, we're almost going to, mention all 68 teams question number 25 as we're winding down the last 10 questions of part one who is most likely to blow up in the ncaa tournament and get drafted that we did not expect to who and and this is a very 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 dense question because you're pretty much this is dante divincenzo Mm -hmm. we're just out of nowhere or zaire smith and i think my answer is avery anderson whoa i I can't see that happening. An NBA body, because you're going to be looking, if they make a run, you're going to be looking for the other guy. And I would say that if, if it's Oklahoma State, if you, you think, think it's going to be likely? I think it's Caleb Boone. 
Really? Yeah. If you're looking at NBA bodies, because I was like, Avery Anderson's a shooter and could get hot in the tournament and convince NBA teams that he can shoot the ball better than he can. And I would say Avery Anderson, I don't think he'll have a big enough role to like really, really boom. But Caleb Boone, if he is able to blossom in this tournament, could play like a, a Jeremy Grant type role in the league. Okay. I can see that happening. Okay, I'll give you that. So I stand corrected. I think you're actually probably more... I, I got the wrong Oklahoma and, State guy. And that's not who I wrote down. Who'd you write down? I said, well, okay, Jason Preston is the cop-out answer. Yeah. Because people He's are a cop-out answer for all the yeah, mid-major guys. And yeah. be smart at the bar. If I'm not going with Preston, I wrote down three other names. Will Richardson. Okay. Trey Mann at Florida. And that's only if Trey's already an NBA. Yeah, but he's project. He's I looked at mock drafts and he's a second round guy. And and that's he, wild to and me. And people think that he's a second round guy in next year's draft, which means if he played crazy well this year and could mm-hmm. move himself up, he could leave this year. So that's why I included him. And the last one is Ochai Abaji, because if he plays the way that he I did love that. in the somebody's Big just gonna punch him in the face. If he if Every somebody clotheslines him again, he could go four straight threes and boom, he'd be right up. I actually looked at a mock draft today that had him as the twenty second pick in this year's draft, which was the, a little bit high. Years. A little bit high, but I mean, that's what he was supposed to be last year and yeah. just shriveled, so now so, he's living up to that potential again. I don't understand why him being a year older should be the reason why he's not drafted in the first round. Yeah. He's a first round NBA draft pick. Okay, so he would be... I, that's a great guess. That, that's four. a great shout. There we go. Question number 26. You wrote this one. I'm kind of confused by it. I don't know what this really goes by. What does Eric Musselman do if he wins the title? Like, does he just rip his shirt off? Like, you know, he's like running around with no shirt after they won a regular season SEC game. What he, would... I think that... He might incinerate it I think on that spot. the best project, prediction that I can give is he Steve Forbes smashes the mask on the floor. Just spits like, on it? Like, he just throws it down. Like, that's my best guess. That's... Lock that in. I want to somehow get Eric Musselman and Passner together in this tournament. I think that's... Could only have It could happen in the four. Final Four, yeah. Can't happen in the National cha- Championship, which no. is a damn shame. But, uh... I don't know, man. I like the shirt is off. The pants might be off. He might be running around in his boxers on the court in Indianapolis. <laughs> I think that's a legitimate possibility. He would put looking for somebody to hug to shame. We'll we'll see. I don't think I. Mac McClung might have some things to say about that. Dwayne Washington might have some things to say about that. <laughs> Travion Williams and Jerry will happen. Might have some things to say about that. We'll see. See how far the must bus goes. Question number 27 tonight. Who is the first one seed to be eliminated? It's Michigan. It has to be Michigan. Mm-hmm. It has to be Michigan. I know we'll get old takes exposed after the season. After they win the Whenever, it's like well, It's like, no, like Baylor gets upset in the second round and Michigan makes it to the Sweet 16 instead. See, I'm caught in this, like, in-between because <laughs> the fuck— if I'm rooting for what would make me laugh the hardest in this tournament, it's by far, it's Shaka Smart getting upset by a small, small school in state in Abilene Christian. And it's Scott Drew getting beat very early. Mm-hmm. 
but that would go very against my the Big 12 is a super strong league and all these teams at the top were great and such narrative. Yeah, you so, can't really do that. I could say it's a win-win because if they win, I look good. And if they lose, I get to laugh. At the same time, I still think that the number one seed that is most likely to lose early is Michigan. I think that St. Bonaventure or LSU, like the other one seeds, I think are determined. Like Gonzaga is not going to lose to Oklahoma. They're not going to lose to Mizzou. Baylor is matchup dependent because I don't think that they can lose to Wisconsin, but I think they can lose to North Carolina. They should be matchup proof, and that's why that we're talking about it like that now. And Illinois is going to get a decent challenge from Loyola or Georgia Tech, but I think that they can physically overwhelm them. Or I would just say Michigan is the only one where I'm like, no matter whether they play Loyal, uh, LSU or whether they play St. Bonaventure, they're getting a very capable team in the second round. It's not matchup dependent. And then from there, the road does not get easier because it's Florida State or it's Colorado or Texas or Bama who all play styles that can easily beat them. Okay, so but at, I, we're we're projecting early losses, and I would say I would say St. Bonaventure, LSU, and Florida State makes it very hard for me to see. Yeah, and Isaiah Livers, uh, less less Michigan team getting to the Elite Eight. Like I don't see it anymore. I can't yeah. see it anymore. It's not especially the what we saw in the Big Ten tournament. Given though, I will say, other than Florida State, their second round matchup is not going to be a team with a lot of size, which could yield Hunter Dickinson going to work. Yeah, like, like he Trenton could, he could score. Not gonna have fun down there. He could score thirty five on LSU. Um, yeah, no, I don't think that's out of the, the the constellation at all when you're trying to read the astrology of this tournament. Um, I will say this as a counter: Are we a? Could we be overthinking Baylor? Like they do have Jared Butler, they do have Macy Oteague. The defense has just fallen off. And a I don't cliff. know what's up with that, but it's up to Shama Shashua. To step up and be that rim protector again. Davion Mitchell won Defensive Player of the Year in that conference. Like, that's yeah. a... You got senior guards. That's a joke. But <laughs> it happened, and therefore, there's really no excuse for them to be this bad defensively. They right. should they should not be six yep. spots ahead of Iowa on the adjusted <laughs> defensive efficiency rankings on Kempom. There's yeah. no... that should, With their personnel, it should not be possible. Yeah. Um, I would also say that, like, are we underselling the fact that, again, Gonzaga's, Gonzaga, Gonzaga has been lulled out of the team that they once were and are now a team that's been softened by two months of bye weeks, pretty much? Yeah, I just, I could see it. I could see Oklahoma is going to be the best team that they've played in a very, in long, a very time. long time. And even Mizzou. And they beat the Mizzou hell out of those is, good teams they played a long time ago, but that was a long time ago. And Mizzou is probably as sharpened by the SEC that I would say is just as good of a challenge as BYU would be. Like, when was the them. last time uh, Drew Timmy had to, like, actually, like, bang down in the post? Matt Harms. <laughs> so, last Tuesday. Well, okay. Okay, fair enough. Before that. Man, though. I forgot Matt Harms existed until that... Like he's still game. doing the he's still doing the move the hair thing while the games are going on. So, yeah. all right, we ready to move to question twenty eight? Let's do it. We just talked about Gonzaga. We just talked about them getting potentially an easier easier road. Did the committee intentionally give Gonzaga and Baylor yes. an easier road? So, yes. 
here's the preface for this. I don't know how I didn't realize this while we were doing the show yesterday. I don't know how it took me. I guess we were all we were caught up. You were calling him Dewan Washington, and I was yeah. I was incorrectly along with Mike Izzo. I'm good for one one an episode. One in, one an episode. When we're live. I'm good for one an episode. Did the committee intentionally give Gonzaga an easy road? They gave them a two seed in Iowa, who they've beaten. They gave them a three seed in Kansas, who they've already beaten. Mm-hmm. They gave them a four seed in Virginia, who they've already beaten. And three and four, Kansas and Virginia, both have at least one co- player who has COVID and won't be there. So, Oh, and by the way, and like gave them teams that could upset them, at least in the case of Iowa and Virginia, in the first round. Well... Maybe I'm the only one on the you're the, TCU you wagon. Are, you're the only person you I've see, heard on this see, wagon. You see, other than boy. like crazy local media and Phoenix. You see our boy Bryce Drew. Look at him. He's pointing to the promised land. I mean, you you wanted to put him on that graphic, and I was just like that way. Is that even? He's he's pointing. I guess he is pointing the right direction. You can make it the right the right direction no matter what. Um... <laughs> I think Baylor got a pretty convenient road. Like, North Carolina, Wisconsin is the two weakest 8-9s, I think. Given, I mean, Indiana could, like, muck it up. I mean, not Indiana. What am I saying? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I meant North Carolina. I don't know why I said Indiana. North Carolina could Blue muck Blue blood, true up. blood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, North Carolina is a team that's playing very well right now. Has figured some stuff out. I... Kerwin Walton's been big. I mean, Leaky Black is an effective player. Their bigs are developing. Like, I mean, that could be tough. I mean, you don't have to convince me twice about North Carolina. I will definitely have that shirt on <laughs> for that Baylor matchup. You um, love light blue. I do love the light blue. I just, man, I can't believe that it went so under the radar all day yesterday that they put two teams dealing with COVID in the same, and I, they beat I, and I know what the, I know what Mitch Barnhart would have said if this was asked of him. I know what Dan Gavitt would have said if this was asked of him is that you can't anticipate, like if, if teams told us they're good with the health and safety protocols, they're good with the health and safety protocols. We can't assume that they're going to have issues, but like in the back of your head, you have to, if you can be smart enough to put Michigan state in the first four, Mm-hmm. Over Utah State for TV ratings, you can't tell me and and to be like, oh, we just thought it would be a great way to start the tournament. You can't plead ignorance and be like, well, these teams said that they're good. And when you've been reading the news and you know that they had to leave their conference tournaments, yeah, like and they don't take that lightly. You can't just be like, oh, you know, <laughs> I I thought that they just didn't play on Saturday for no reason, like. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So They want an undefeated team to stay undefeated and have a chance to win a national title. I can't say I blame them. And I don't want that. But but let's talk about the Baylor part of it. The Baylor part of it is... It felt like they were trying to... As, hand given, Scott Drew a Final Four in his home state. On, an, on their <laughs> interpretation of the S-curve, well, yeah. They're, which is a whole other thing. It seems kind of weird, a little bit sus to me. But like... Their interpretation of the S-curve would suggest that one and two overall seeds should have the easiest brackets by far. I'm trying to get the full seed list. Um, I'm going to skip 29 to go to 31st. 
which is your beautiful question of what is an S-curve and why is the bracket not that? <laughs> so here's, here's the way that it should have gone. And I think I know what the correct, I know what the explanation given is going to be. Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. Baylor is the second number one. Illinois is the third. Michigan is the fourth. I think that's interesting because Illinois' uh, Big Ten tournament run clearly vaulted them. That and beating the doors off of Michigan Mm -hmm. vaulted them as the third number one. Alabama is the five, which means they're the number one two seed. They are paired in Michigan's region. Yeah. So that's correct. Okay. From there... Ohio State is the six, and they didn't want to put them in Illinois' region, right? Yeah, and this is, by the way, reported by Nicole Arbach, who is a reputable source. Well, this is just her and, tweeting. Yeah. The, it's just tweeting the seed list, which the NCAA releases. I didn't know that. Yeah, the NCAA. I didn't they release, they release the full seed list yes, this year. Yes, they do. They, okay. they always do. They always do. Um, well, given the S-curve, I didn't know if they were going to do it this year. I, That's what I'm saying. It's weird that they just did not follow it. Ohio State is the six, Iowa is the seven, Houston's the eight. The only thing they had to avoid was, oh, I guess they had to avoid Ohio State or Iowa in Illinois and Michigan's region. So they gave Houston to Illinois and they gave Ohio State to Baylor. But then once you get to that, there's no excuse for not putting the number nine seed in Arkansas in Gonzaga's region, right? I mean, you're a teacher of the blackboard trying to I'm trying to like justify it for them. I'm trying to justify it for All I know is it is incorrect. It is not what they said they were going to do. All I know is that if you are supposed to S-curve it, Mm -hmm. Gonzaga should have gotten the best three seed available. And when you don't give them the first three seed, and you don't give them the second third seed, mm-hmm. and you don't give them the third third seed. You the fourth third seed. And the fourth third seed is a team that they've already beaten that has COVID problems. The conspiracy theories start to run wild. Yeah. And I don't blame that's people. That's where we're at. That's where we're I at. I don't blame people. Um, and even from there, it's not a true S-curve. So I guess you have a very valid question what is an s-curve and why is the bracket not that of all the years it doesn't make much sense to me i i just don't like it feels like they actively pandered towards gonzaga and baylor that is a significant which is confusing because illinois is more fun to watch than baylor and yeah but we've also been talking about this gonzaga baylor and when baylor is peak when baylor is at their best it's hard to find a team that's more enjoyable than Baylor. That's true. We'll talk plenty more about Baylor because I have questions about them to talk about tomorrow night. Question number 30 on our night. Who is the first two seed to be eliminated? We've got five questions to go. I'm going to say the first two seed gone is Houston. I think that's the easy answer. I would contend that you you've said Iowa. Oh, yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah. But that's not logical. We know this. <laughs> We know this. But if, if you truly believe GCU's given Iowa a game and you have a high belief in Oregon, why would you not say Oregon? Because I don't think Houston is losing to Cleveland State. So what I'm saying is I but, think— Okay, let me rephrase. It's the easy answer because Houston is the worst of the two seeds. Definitively— Should have been on the three line. Probably should have been on the three line. So, yes. Okay, let like me I rephrase. would have had Texas on the two line. I think, I, I think Iowa 
And obviously, I clearly have a lower opinion of Iowa and Luca Garza than you do. Yeah, like you talked me back onto the right, but I also acknowledge my radicalism (laughs) and know that from a unbiased national media perspective, the correct answer is Houston. Yeah, right. Sure. So we're in agreement here. Yes, my answer is Iowa. The right answer is probably Houston. Okay. Um, And I would say that, and I've said this earlier tonight, is that Clemson can defend just like Memphis did. Rutgers has guards who can score on Houston. Um, yep. The best thing that they can say is that this tournament's not being played in the state of Kansas because if it was, Quentin Grimes would not show up. Question number 31. Which is the most likely three seed to lose to a 14 seed? From 2014 to 2016, five 14 seeds beat three seeds. Since then, it has not happened. So, it's not going to be Kansas. And maybe I'll get, I think I might have gotten the years wrong on that. I think it might have been 2016 to 18. I don't think it's going to be Texas. I don't think it's going to be Arkansas. All that leaves is the team that I really want to pick to make a deep run in West Virginia, but Morehead State just toppled the best team in their league in Belmont multiple times to get here. Playing great basketball. I think they won six from seven. It's, I think that's the right answer. It is the right answer, I think, as well. And this West Virginia team, as much as I want to pick them to go far, I have to bring back my memory of picking Iowa State to go to the Final Four and having them lose to UAB <coughs> and having this be a West Virginia team that profiles just like that Iowa team. Guard-oriented, a good guard. Um, Miles McBride is a little more turnover-heavy than Monte Morris was. He was one of the best assist-to-turnover guys literally in the country yeah. when he was in college. Like like ever, ever yeah. like ever in college. So they're not the same in that sense, but the fact that they have a lead guard who can carry them and a high-scoring team that might not defend the most against a capable... And offensively, a big that you can give the ball and diversify at least a little bit. Yeah, Culver Which does things important. a little differently than Niang did. Right. But it's, you understand the point. Yeah. I don't even think that this is because West Virginia is the worst as much as it is that Moorhead State is the most competent. And that, like, most people are going to say Colgate. Colgate is not a threat. They are not a threat. We've been enlightened to this fact. It will be high scoring, but there's, they will have, they will have zero resistance for Justin Smith inside. Yeah, the only way Colgate wins that game is if Arkansas makes bad decisions consistently. Which won't happen. Which won't happen. So, yeah, the, the, Answer is Moorhead, I think, by a sound margin. And the only thing that you look at from an upset perspective and say, I don't like that, is they don't score the ball that well. They score under 70 points per game. But, you know, but that can be made up a for. bad defensive team. Mm-hmm. That can be made up for in that sense. So, there you go. The funniest outcome, Shaka losing to Abilene Christian. By far. By Shout far. Shout Kendrick West. All right, we've got three questions left tonight. Do Virginia, question number 32, do Virginia, Virginia Tech, and VCU win more games than West Virginia? We just talked about West Virginia. We think that they could be. Read the question how it was written. Okay. Do regular Virginia, do regular West uh, Virginia Tech, and regular Virginia Commonwealth, did you know that VCU actually doesn't prefer to be called Virginia Commonwealth? They like to be called VCU. Well, I found out that Cal Baptist does not like to be called Cal Baptist yeah. because it calls too much attention to the word Baptist earlier this year. Why don't they want to be called Virginia Commonwealth? It is what it is. 
they like being called VCU. I think it's because Virginia Commonwealth is a very, it feels very old. Snuffity, yeah. Snuffity? Yeah. Is that a word? I don't know. I, just, I hope it is. I mean, it is now. We're almost like an hour and a half into this thing. So. This is a big pod. Um, the answer is no. The answer is no. Virginia loses to Ohio in the first round. Yep. I picked Virginia Tech. Um, or no, I picked Florida yesterday. And then I was talking myself into Virginia Tech today and then realized that they tried to dunk on multiple media people for being down on them before this year and then got a 10 seed and think that that proved the haters wrong. It should have been higher than a 10 seed. They were ranked in the final AP poll well, before conference tournament. If we're going to talk about, I want to talk about which on Wednesday's pod, just know that I will have multiple written questions about teams that were seeded incorrectly because Georgia Tech being a nine when they won that conference tournament Ridiculous. and Clemson being a seven, like Clemson, Clemson should have forfeited their their seed to Georgia Tech. That's dumb. Yeah. What is going on with Oklahoma State being a four? Well, they they literally gave us their explanation for why that was the case, and it made decent sense. But to the to answer your question, because this was your question, um, those three schools do not combine to win more games than West Virginia because Oregon's beating VCU, Florida's beating Virginia Tech, and Virginia's losing to Ohio. And all West Virginia has to do is win one game. And I think that West Virginia is getting to probably to the Elite Eight. Yeah, and that's why I wrote this question down. Is because it seems ridiculous, but I would almost like three bet. competent teams. Yeah. And West Virginia, and I think West Virginia tallies them up more than the other. Take three. me home, Country Roads. The, the MC brothers, Quattro McBride and Sean McNeil. And don't forget Jordan McCabe. <laughs> does he? Does he really count? No, no, that's like Legion of Zoom, including like Demarcus Robinson. It's like yeah, exactly. Hey, really he's there. Yeah, yeah, he can come along. All right, question number thirty-three: Which double-digit seed is most likely to be a second weekend team? Mm. GCU. No. Um, I mean, I gave a we. I went. I went. I, I, I gave like, a you answer. The easiest one to pick is Ohio. It is. Because mm-hmm. Creighton is a team that, I mean, given has rebounded nicely, but has gone through some turmoil lately. And I think that their first-round matchup is very winnable. Mm-hmm. So that that is the easy answer. I would The one I want to see is Georgetown. I can, no, just because no, no, no. That that's be, not who you want to see. I can tell you who, and you're forgetting right now, because they're not like in the bracket, in the bracket. And my answer, oh, Michigan, State. Michigan State. Michigan State is my I, I most likely. I still would rather emotionally see Georgetown make a run. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, and I think Michigan State is the answer to this. They should be like they should be BYU. They will have the best coach in any game they play mm-hmm. until the Final Four, if they got there and played Gonzaga. Don't do my boy Juwan like that. Izzo's a better coach than Juwan. We think? Izzo, Juwan has not given us any reason This to Izzo team had no business to beat that Michigan team when it, Livers was healthy at Michigan State. Fair and enough. they did it. Do you, are you forgetting the game before that where they killed Michigan State? This is where I will once again cite Michigan the State fact that, that it's not that bad. hard. It's not that hard to win three games against a team in one year. Like, Michigan could have done this. Didn't happen though. You keep saying that it's not that hard, and all I can find is evidence to the contrary. And 
conference chart. Because your season. brain, your your brain. Texas did it. Wants to look. Duke did Texas it. Texas did it against who? Texas Tech. No, Texas Tech beat them twice. That's what I'm saying. They bucked the trend. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you. Were, I thought you were saying Duke did it. Okay. To Louisville. Realistically, though, Texas would have done it against Kansas. They would have. They would have gone. Like it, it, it's a good yeah, thing exactly. that that game never happened because I did not want Shaka Smart to beat Bill Self three times in one year. But Kansas would have beat Texas. You're higher on my team than I am. I don't know what it is. It's like I'm forcing you in all different directions. If I'm, Iowa, Kansas. If I'm not picking Michigan State as the double-digit seed that's most likely to make the second weekend, which, by the way, there's been a double-digit seed making the second weekend, I think, 94% of NCAA tournaments um, is I think that's the I think I can't check you on that number I'll have to look that up and confirm that on on Wednesday's pod but if it's not Michigan State I'm just going to say it's from that pod of Ohio and UCSB I think it could be Liberty that's a tough ask of Liberty to beat if they can beat Oklahoma State just by making more threes than them they can definitely beat the winner of Oregon State and Tennessee yeah. The problem with Tennessee is I don't see, like, if Tennessee gets past Oregon State, hmm. I just don't trust Tennessee to not be bipolar. And I don't and trust, just, like, put together multiple games in a row. And I don't trust Liberty to, like, force Tennessee to be bad offensively, which is the here's way the, Here's the other one that you threw out that you believe in. What happened to Rutgers there? That's a good point. So double, they're ten. Mm-hmm. You think they Syracuse? could be Houston? I think Syracuse is the like again. Syracuse is not one a meaningful game away from the Carrier Dome this year, which is a good shooting environment because of how cavernous it is. They're more. So of are the, are they playing? Are, so they're not. Where where is Syracuse playing, or venue wise? Um, let me look it up. Silly tournament schedule twenty twenty one. Syracuse is playing its first game at dun, 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 why can't I find it Hinkle Fieldhouse small Friday compact. night Friday night at Hinkle they're losing the first round San Diego the shackle is going to so? clamp them up yes I do don't see the correlation between Jimmy from the Hoosiers and Buddy Beheim. I could see it I could see it I could definitely see it yeah I don't think uh, Jordan Shackle's got a role in Hoosiers. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody watch. I, like that should be required viewing while you're at your hotel in Indianapolis. I've heard from Jordan Bohannon that the Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> um, so maybe, hopefully they hook him up with like. It's got like a billion people on a Netflix, a Netflix uh, login or something to that extent. Um, last question of the night. Question number thirty-four. Thank goodness this has been a long pod. Yeah, and we get we got another one to do Wednesday night, and then we got games to watch Thursday. Um, not a bunch of games, but we've got uh, I think yeah, we've got all four of those first four games. Michigan State UCLA is going to be a, a great one. Question number thirty four: How many rounds must Georgia Tech got Tech go for you to make a Georgia Tech Hornets shirt? And I said they have to beat Illinois. If they beat Illinois. Yeah, I, Elite the, the shirts are green light. Elite no, 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 no. That'd be Sweet 16. No, for me, I'm saying they got to get to the Elite Oh, eight. okay. So that's... Yeah, so that's, that would be them getting... Illinois and Cade. Yeah. And, and Sister Jean, 
Sister Jean, uh, Brad Underwood, Io, and Kofi, and then Cade and Mike Boynton. That yeah. would be quite a trio of you, wins. You have to understand, I am a broke college kid. So to get a shirt designed, print a shirt, is well, no small undertaking. And yeah, the problem is you have you it's like to make one. You got, you got to print like twenty of them. Yeah, that too. So I'm and I don't have twenty friends to give God Tech Hornet shirts to. <laughs> You're setting the bar pretty high. So, yeah, Elite Eight. Yeah, I, I'm covering I, myself. I can, I can take Elite Eight. That's that's an acceptable. I, I feel like it would have to be, like, just the old school, old college try, block letters, uh, Gotek, Hornets underneath. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, something simple. Not All right. too crazy. Champion shirt. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone an hour and a half, so I think we're... We're good to tap out for part one, and we'll be back that with was a bear. We'll be out with thirty-four more on Wednesday night. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Sunday or Monday, you know that we flex. You can never make it more obvious. You checking for the heat, that's cold. That's cold, that's cold. Headed to the top of the top of this. You can never reach uh, these hoes. Hop in the booth and we spin the truth. Hey. We inspire the youth and we get to the loop. You do what it does and we do what it do. We turn to the max and they got you on mute. Ooh, flow so high so you know hey. I had to run it back. Blazes are bald and we run hey. like a running back. Gabe brought chalk so you know hey. we having fun with that. Turn you into ops so you know hey. it ain't no coming back. Now we done with that.